This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. We've got a fun show for you today. Ariel Helwani joins me. Really, when it comes to just the discussion of mixed martial arts and what's going on in the, in the MMA world, there's nobody I like discussing that with more than Joseph Valtellini, who's not here today, and Ariel Helwani. So with Ariel, you, him and I have a really long conversation about everything, all things trade, all things UFC 230, and it was really enjoyable speaking with him. And of course, Shane Burgos on the show for UFC 230 this coming weekend, a big matchup against Kurt Hollibaugh, coming off his first loss, pro or amateur. Says he's never been dropped in training before, and he got knocked out by Calvin Cater, who, speaking of which, was uh, successful in his fight this past weekend at UFC Fight Night in Moncton. That was a great card, and some Canadians that had uh, a couple missteps are back on track. But we'll start with the main event. Anthony Smith defeating Volkan Uzdemir in the third round, late in the third round. And Anthony Smith called his shot. Like Babe Ruth, he pointed out to the rafters and said, I'm going to keep Volkan going. I'm going to weather the early storm. He isn't good late in fights. And that's when I'm going to have my best chance. And he did just that. He got hurt during the fight and um, got, you know, got in some, some trouble with Volkan. He was getting outstruck at times, but he was also landing some good combos of his own, had some success. But Uzdemir clearly winning the first two round. Smith turning the tables in the third, getting a rear naked choke submission. In a really good fight, a really entertaining fight. And uh, Anthony Smith now puts himself right into title contention. A guy who was a journeyman middleweight. For quite some time, less than a year ago, earlier this year, in February, that was his fourth time fighting this year, but only his third time at uh, light heavyweight, fought at middleweight in February against Tiago Santos, got knocked out in the second round. Prior to that, wins over Elvis Mutopchik, Andrew Sanchez, Hector Lombard, and then the loss to uh, Tiago Santos, but then followed that up with wins in the light heavyweight division against Rashad Evans, Shogun Hua. And now Volkan Uzdemir. And just like that, because it's such a, a weak division in terms of depth, he's right in the mix. you got to love that. So uh, good for Anthony Smith because, uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy. He's got three daughters. He's been a journeyman for a long time, was in and out of the, in and out of the major organizations. You know, fought in Strike Force, fought in Bellator. Bellator didn't keep him, fought in some regional organizations. And then he, he got with the UFC in uh, February of 2016. And from there, he has, uh, he has not looked back. He had a chance in the UFC back in 2013, had one fight against Antonio Braga Neto, got submitted in less than two minutes into the first round. That was part of a three-fight losing streak to Hodger Gracie, Braga Neto. Talk about bad luck in BJJ. That, that, those are tough matchups. And then he got subbed by Josh Neer, the dentist, back in uh, December of 2013. And here we are, nearly five years later, and he's up a, up a weight class, fighting at light heavyweight where he feels he should have been fighting all along when I last spoke to him. That's what he told me. And now he gets the win over Volkan, who's the biggest win of his career, over the second-ranked fighter in the light heavyweight division. So now suddenly you, uh, you look at what Ant- uh, Anthony Smith... And he's got to be next in line for the winner of Gustafson and Jones, unless Cormier wants to go back to that division. And if I'm Cormier, I don't think I do. The rankings aren't uh, updated just yet. So uh, we won't get a chance. Actually, I haven't been updated since October the 8th. I don't know what's going on there. 
but uh, there hasn't really been an event. But um, looking at that, we don't know exactly where he's going to be ranked, but I, I would imagine he's going to be ranked probably second. Probably we'll move up to number two, ahead of Blokovich, ahead of Latifi, ahead of Manua, ahead of Dominic Reyes. And now suddenly he's probably the number one contender for the belt. He might need to win one more. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, that light heavyweight battle between Gustafson and Jones, the big rematch, coming up in two months' time. So good for, good for Anthony Smith. When you look at fighter of the year candidates, you gotta, you got to consider this guy. I mean, he went from losing his first fight at middleweight, switching divisions, and now he's right in title contention. He's got to be a candidate. I'm not sure who he's up against uh, off the top of my head. There's got to be some other guys like, uh, you know, Israel Adesanya, if he beats Brunson's probably in the mix. A lot of fighters have, uh, have had good years. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Khabib, obviously, you got to consider. Henry Cejudo, you got to consider. And, of course, Daniel Cormier, champ champ. Got to consider that, too. So uh, a big win for Anthony Smith, and kudos to him. He's a, he's a, a gentleman, a really nice guy. I like him. Then in the co-main event, Michael Johnson beats Artem Lobov, outpoints him with a unanimous decision win. But the two Canadians I wanted to discuss are Misha Surkinov and Arjun Buller. Arjun Buller was on the show last week. He said he saw a pretty easy path to beating Marcelo Goem. He utilized that path, got a 10-8 on one judge's card for the third round, of a dominant third round, and, uh, and got the decision. He was actually outstriking Golem. He, uh, he was beating him on the feet, which was a surprise to me because, you know, Buller's known mostly for his wrestling but it's shown a, a big improvement in his striking, so kudos to him there. And then you look at Misha Zirkunov. He's back. He's back. He's a big favorite against Patrick Cummins, but Cummins was, was bringing the wrestling to him. You know, Cummins is no, no slouch when it comes to the wrestling game. Zirkunov was able to utilize his judo as, as a means of defense and then as a means of taking Cummins down and choking him out with an arm triangle early in the first round, two minutes and 40 seconds in. So Misha Zirkunov back. In the mix, and I mean, he moved to Vegas. I have a long-form interview with him on uh, TSN.ca if you want to check that out. And he uh, he spoke at length about how he felt he was kind of shortchanging himself in terms of his career, in terms of uh, you know not getting the adequate training partners needed to be at his absolute best. So uh, kudos, Misha Zirkunov. Good for him. I like him a lot as a person, and I like him a lot as a fighter. And it's hap- it's great to see him uh, back in uh, in the win column after a two-fight losing skid to two of the really the best at light heavyweight. You look at Volkan Uzdemir, an aforementioned Uzdemir, uh, who lost in the main event, and uh, th- that would be a good fight. Misha versus Uzdemir, a rematch, would be a, a good next step for both those guys. I like that. And Misha called him out after the fight. Said he didn't feel like he... Feels like that, that loss shouldn't really count. So, there you have it. That, that's, uh, that's what's going on. With, uh, with that particular card. Uh, this, uh, you know, of note, the biggest upset, uh, T. Edwards, who was recently on the show, got knocked out, vicious head kick knockout by Don Madge, who's probably the best South African already to fight ever fight in the UFC with just that one win. No disrespect to, you know, Trevor Prangley and uh, Ruan Potts and Gareth McLennan. I don't know how I remember all three of those people off the top of my head, but uh, I pat myself on the back now. That's good, Aaron. That's good. Good knowledge of South African MMA. Don Madge, big win for him. Kudos to him. Sarah Morris, unfortunately, uh, getting a loss in terms of Canadians. Nordin Taleb getting a loss against uh, Sean Strickland. Um, Alex Garcia trains in uh, Canada. He got a loss to Court McGee. But uh, 
not a whole lot of uh, movement in terms of uh, these fights, in terms of rankings. You, you'll see Misha move up. You'll see Michael Johnson move up. You'll see Anthony Smith move up. Um, Arjun might get ranked at uh, heavyweight because it's just such a thin division, but he, he might not. If you look at uh, who's, who's number 15 at heavyweight right now. Justin Willis, yeah, probably he probably wouldn't be ranked ahead of Justin Willis. Maybe, yeah, I mean Stefan Stroop could move down, but that's uh, that's what you're looking at there. So uh, Moncton card was fun, and then of course you've got the uh, the the trade, Ben Askren calling everybody out left, right, and center. Demetrius Johnson talked about why he wanted to leave the UFC. A lot to still unpack. I know we discussed it last week, but there's still a lot to unpack. Plus, you got UFC 230 on the horizon. We'll preview that a little bit later on. But uh, first up, let's, uh, let's get into this chat with Ariel Helwani because he was very generous with his time, and I've got to thank Ariel a lot because, uh, you know, I, I love having these conversations with him. He's a very good guy, but as you can imagine, he's a pretty busy guy. You know, he went to go do Ariel and the Bad Guy today and was very generous with his time. Um, we spoke a lot off air, and he had a lot of, uh, you know, nice things to say about, uh, about my, uh, my newborn child and, uh, you know, congratulating me. And I, I really like Ariel as a guy. He's a, he's a good person. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, are tr- are turned off by by his his approach and his uh, the way he presents himself sometimes. And I think that those people should understand what it's like after covering an event for a week, a fight week, and then coming home on a Monday and doing a six hour show. That's hard work. You know, people say talking about MMA isn't really a a hard job, but there's a lot of preparation that goes into uh, into those interviews. There's a lot of preparation that goes into booking that show. You got to sit in a chair for six hours. I don't know how he doesn't have to pee every shoot. You know, doesn't take breaks. That in and of itself is impressive. So, uh, you know, if I think in terms of work ethic, Ariel's probably the hardest working guy in MMA. He's always grinding and, and breaking big stories. So, uh, he deserves a lot of respect for what he's done really for the sport. I mean, I think that uh, he's he's really done a good job of giving fighters a platform. And. Uh, when he moved to ESPN, he, he wanted to keep doing his show on Mondays. It was a big, it was important to him. ESPN didn't, I don't even think that they, uh, they said this has to be part of the deal. He wanted it to be part of the deal because he wants to service his audience, and you got to respect that. So uh, without uh, any further ado and without me having to pump his tires anymore, Ariel Hawani joins the TSN MMA show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. I'm joined now by a man who really needs no introduction. He's the host of the Ariel Helwani MMA show, Ariel and the Bad Guy, uh, really the, uh, the, the number one source for uh, MMA news in the world today. It's Ariel Helwani. Ariel, how are you today? I'm doing great, Aaron. How are you? You know, I'm doing well. Lots, uh, lots on my plate right now, but, you know, nothing uh, yeah. someone who knows how to juggle can't handle. Welcome to the Father of Three Club. Yes, well, we're, we're both two boys, one girl in that order. That's right. Yes, it's very exciting. I'm very happy for you and your family, and uh, it's. Uh, I, I know what it's like early on. Your head is spinning a little bit, but trust me, it's worth it. And the family is complete. Five is a nice number. You got a starting lineup. It's good. Yeah, you know when I first found out that we were pregnant, I I told you uh, we were having our third, and you were like, ah, you know, we you know we have uh, two boys and a girl, and the girl really completes the family. And I thought to myself, I don't even know yes. what the gender is yet. So, I, you know, hopefully, hopefully it ends up being a girl so that Ariel's, uh, so that I don't, I don't, you know, have resentment towards Ariel. No, no. Yeah. And I didn't mean <laughs> it in that regard. I was just, obviously, obviously healthy is most important, but, uh, you'll see, uh, quite soon my, my daughter just turned two and it's just a whole different experience. Um, but you know, having the two older brothers and they're kind of looking out for her at times, picky on her. 
it's just a nice dynamic. Um, and, and, and as a parent, I think it's fun to experience both, you know, both genders. So, uh, now, now you've, now you've got it all. It's great. You're yeah. Lucky. I can't wait. You know, it's, uh, it's, just got to get through the storm, and then we get to uh, reap the yeah. benefits. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so um, you know, I, for this particular show, I was thinking, should I get Ben Askren on? Should I try to get Demetrius Johnson? Should I try to get Melky Kawa? And I said, you know, why don't I talk to the guy who spoke to all of them already? And that's yourself. <laughs> so I had first heard rumblings about Demetrius uh, joining one back at around UFC 229. There were, there were some rumors I had been hearing. Um, yeah, I reached out to who I needed to reach out to. Everybody was, was radio silence. I know they probably had some legalities to work out. Then, then I saw that Ben had tweeted that there was a 98% chance that he was going to be in the UFC. And I connected the dots and I said, wouldn't it be crazy if they somehow traded contracts or traded spaces? And then hours later, you go on Twitter and say that there's a, a trade that's been completed. Really the first trade of its kind in, uh, in MMA. Do you foresee anything like this ever happening again? Honestly, I think this was the perfect storm. I mean, could it ever happen? Sure, but I don't expect it to happen, you know, every week, every month or so. I don't think that this will be the norm. Certainly not with the UFC. Now, could it happen with small organizations? They want to play nice with each other. Yeah, sure. But the UFC historically doesn't really play nice with others, um, you know, especially since they've become the the number one brand in in the sport. Um, But this particular one was so unique because EJ wanted out. Askren wasn't coming back. Um, and, and, and DJ, of course, his, you know, his, his, his head coach, Matt Hume is the vice president of operations at one. So he's got the inside track there. It just was so perfect. The UFC was, you know, kind of thinking that they, they had squeezed as much as they could squeeze out of the, the DJ orange, so to speak. Um, I just feel like when, when you when you actually like sit back and, and, and look at all the particulars and look at you know what they were bringing to the table or not bringing to the table right now to their promotions, it was just such a perfect storm. Askren's always wanted to be in the UFC. He wasn't going to fight anywhere else. DJ wanted out, and he wanted out specifically to one. One has a guy who's not coming back. Once it's just amazing how it all kind of worked out. So um, in short, I don't think that this is going to be the norm. Could it happen here or there? I just think this was a very unique case. Everybody asks who won this trade, and I think it's pretty apparent that one comes out on top because they were playing with, with house money. Askren wasn't going to fight for them again. He was basically retired. So they essentially got something for nothing. Yeah, that, that's actually a really interesting take on it. Um, my initial reaction is it's a, it's a win-win. I was going to say it's a 1-1, but it's a win-win because, um, yes, you're right. Ben wasn't fighting for them. Could they have enticed them, um, you know, now that they're – they're, they're, they're bringing Eddie Alvarez on board and they're talking to some other people. Like, could they have enticed them? I think so. You know, I never really truly felt at his age that he was, he was not going to fight again, especially considering how dominant he was. Um, but then, so when you consider, okay, they, they get DJ, they feel like DJ will appeal to their market. One is really into like the martial arts and, 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 and the code and all that stuff. I mean, they, they hardly like to use the word mixed martial arts. They like to use martial arts. Um, they dropped the FC, right? They're, they're one championship. They're no longer one fighting championship, um, which I personally prefer more. And I feel like a lot of people have a hard time dropping that as well. But DJ is perfect for them. And then, of course, there's the Matt Hume connection and all that and more. And DJ wanted out of the UFC. I, I think his tenure there had sort of run its course, kind of like GSP in the sense that, you know, you, you defend that title so much. You've proven all that you can prove. Are you really going to try to climb that mountain again? I'll never forget when I watched him. In L.A. at 227, 
I felt like I was watching Anderson Silva. Um, and, and, you know, that famous saying, heavy is the head that wears the crown. I felt like, you know, he just had enough of it um, and wasn't all that, you know, he was disappointed he lost, but I don't think he was distraught. Like, I'm going to get back in there. I want my immediate rematch, etc. So they get him, and then, and then the UFC gets Askren. The Askren thing is so funny because I think he's a phenomenal talent. He's, he's shook everyone up. He's calling everyone out. Yet here we are taping this on a Wednesday morning. UFC has yet to acknowledge the trade, has yet to acknowledge his presence, um, which has made it even funnier in that regard. He has the history with Dana White. It's just such a fascinating story. Like, I love all the layers to it. Well, I connected some dots because he mentioned on your show that he was going to go to New York and work out contract issues or, con- you know, work on his contract and get it to be more conducive to a UFC contract, maybe stretched out for a couple more fights. And they've got the press conference in New York. So do you think maybe they're waiting for that? I guess we'll find out in a couple of days, but that, that's yeah, what my thinking of, is. It's, and it's a, it's a good, you know, it's a good idea. It's a good guess. As of right now, he is not involved in that press conference. I do know that he is coming to New York. Um, and I do know he's, he's, he's talked to the UFC brass. And he's openly asked them to acknowledge his presence. You know, Dana White did do an interview with TMZ, so I guess we could say that that is a, a public acknowledgement. But, you know, like, let, let's, let's, we're in the promotion business here. This has been my problem with the UFC over the past couple of years. Like, you gotta, you got to make things feel special. you got to welcome Ben Askren. Give, give me a video package. Put together some, some sound of him talking smack. I don't know. Put, give me a tweet graphic, something. Now, I guarantee you, you know, he's in New York, he's sitting in the crowd, that's all well and good, they'll show him, welcome. Yeah, it's good, but it just, I, as you are, we're sports fans, right? When the Toronto Raptors, you know, traded for Kawhi Leonard, and, and I believe it was, you know, Woj that, that broke the news, Toronto didn't come out and, and acknowledge it, okay? So I'm not saying UFC has to come out and acknowledge it once, you know, the, the news is first broken. Well, this is a bad comparison, Ariel, because they didn't even do an introductory press conference for Kawhi because he didn't want to do one. <laughs> no, listen, listen, listen. The deal is done. The deal is done. One has held a conference call. All fighters involved have talked. The Raptors, yes, they did do an introductory com- uh, press conference, but they did acknowledge it. They did send out a press release. They did say welcome. They did say goodbye to DeMar. They did actually acknowledge that this thing has happened. So like, give me that. Just give me some kind of acknowledgement. That's all I ask. Yeah, I mean, maybe they need to dot some I's and cross some T's before they're, they're no, comfortable doing no that. There's no dotting I's. There's no dotting I's across these. DJ's gone. So, wait, so are you telling me that... But DJ's contract's been negotiated now with one. So that's, that's sure. done. They need to restructure this contract to, to make it for the... You know, if you, introdu- if you introduce the guy, you lose some leverage in that re- regard. Because they do still need to negotiate some of that part of his contract, No. So, okay, so are you saying that at this point, with the cat totally out of the bag, Dana White publicly saying that he's going to fight top five guys to TNT? You saw that, right? I did. At this point, they're, they're just going to let him walk? <laughs> you just never. I mean, would that be out of the realm of possibility in your mind? Not as out of the realm, but it would be a blunder. <laughs> I mean, considering all the noise that he's made over the past. Okay, by the way, transactions happen all the time in sports, and that's what I love so much about this deal. It's like, wow. It's yeah, finally a trade to talk a, about. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, we're like it's a, fun. It's like a big boy sport. Yes, it's fun. So even if you can't come to terms, just acknowledge that the transaction happened. That's all. You know, Chris Weinman is injured, and, he, and he's out of the fight. with uh, No, no, sorry. Oh, Rockhold jeez, I thought you were breaking was, some news here. Yeah, no, sorry, my bad. Rockhold, <laughs> I got all fired up. Rockhold injured, out of the fight with Weidman. It took them like four days to update it on their website. They just announced, just like a couple of hours ago, that Frankie Edgar was out of the, the fight against a year. 
Brett Okamoto, my colleague, reported on Friday well, night. No, they announced it on the broadcast on Saturday. On Saturday. Oh, I saw the thing on uh, – I was half asleep when, when, when the broadcast – okay, forget about that one. But you know my <laughs> point, Aaron. They, they, they take too long to announce this stuff. You need to be more transparent. I, well, here's my deal with Askren and, and this particular um, – the promotional element of it. If they want to make this guy big, they have to put him in a big fight, and they have to explain why he's big. And, and I don't know if they need more time to do that, to do it properly, but I agree with you. That, I mean, they need to put something out saying this guy's, you know, this is a historic deal that we were a part of. Yeah. Even, in, even in the interest of their ongoing lawsuit, for them to say we, we were in concert with one championship to make this happen and to uh, let, let fighters have an avenue to um, go to other organizations should they feel like they would like to. I mean, maybe not in, the, in that verbiage because you don't want guys demanding trades, but uh, that, that's the part of it that I think they really need to explain. They need to explain to the person that's never watched one championship or is late to the game or is, is new as a Connor-era fan who Ben Askren is, why he's important, and why he's going to be fighting. I mean, Dana says a top-five guy, why he's going to be fighting a top-five guy. And then also yeah. determining who that top-five guy is going to be. And I, I don't know if there's really an intriguing fight in that top five for him outside of Covington, who's already tied up. And maybe, I mean, Darren Till, that, that's, a, that's a fight that I can get behind, too. Yeah, I want to see Covington fight Woodley. I feel like that fight I'm with has you. to happen. Um, you're 100% right, though, about the lawsuit, and that's something I should have said earlier. This, the timing is so fortuitous for the UFC. And, 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 and make no mistake about it, the last couple of years, like this, this rise of, of free agency in the sport, Eddie Alvarez leaving, et cetera, recently, like, they are happy about this. They want Eddie to come out and say eight-figure deal. The, the, the timing is perfect because then they can say, look, Monopoly, we're not on Monopoly. Look at these guys. They're thrilled. DJ is thrilled to be fighting for one. Eddie is thrilled to be getting an eight-fight deal. They are picking their spots very strategically here. So, you know, they're not going to let Connor go. They're not going to get, uh, you know, let Habib go. They're not going to let George go from his contract. But guys that they feel like, A, have already reached the mountaintop, it's hard to build them back up, will never reach the mountaintop, they, 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 they can't make money off them. These are the perfect guys to allow and go sign and then let them do all the media. So I, I 100% believe that the, the, the trade, because at the end of the day, the, it was almost like, again, to steal it, because it's fun to kind of compare it to other sports, like it's almost like everyone involved had a no-trade clause in the sense that they all had to, you know, they all had to agree to it, right? Every, everyone involved had to. It wasn't just like UFC woke up one day and was like, you're out of here, DJ. <laughs> you know, everyone had to agree. Everyone had to sign off. But in the end, this thing doesn't get done unless the UFC says it's getting done. And I think it's getting done. You know, I think one of the factors in, 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 in them agreeing to get it done is, is the lawsuit. Um, to your previous question, yeah, there's not like a I, – I obviously wouldn't – I would love to see the, the George fight. I would love to see him fight Khabib. I do, I do feel like they need to sort of play this like Jake Shields. Jake Shields came into the UFC, fought at UFC 121, fought Martin Kampman, and then won that fight by the skin of his teeth, and then fought George in, at the time, the biggest fight of all time, you know, at, at the Rogers Center. So I feel like they should do the same kind of thing here. Put him in there against a Kampman type at the time, a Till, if you will, and then gets by that, then you give him a title shot. If, you know... It works out with if, if Woodley's the only the champion, or if you give you give him a bigger fight, if you will. God, Till, Till is going to be so much bigger than Askren. <laughs> That's the thing I can't get past. Yeah, well, honestly, if I'm Till, I don't really love that fight. Um, oh, I agree. Yeah. I don't think anybody don't would love an Askren fight. Yeah, I mean, God bless Mike Perry for like you know continuously 
poking uh, Askren. He's like one of the few guys, but I don't love that fight for him. He, he's he's a he's a matchup nightmare. He'd be perfect for 165. Another guy would just be perfect because you know he's not that he's not that big for 170. Can't get all the way down to 155. Um, and the worldly thing is weird. Like, what are the chances that this guy that he's so close with that that he's known since you know since they were teenagers just happens to be the champion? They will never fight each other. The, and that's kind of a bummer because I want to see him try to pull off the trifecta. Yeah, you know, I'm not a huge proponent of 165 and 175, but bringing Askren in certainly does add a new element of intrigue. But the problem is, I mean, Askren's 34. I don't know how many years of Askren you're going to be getting where it would justify opening a whole new division. Now, of course, the weight-cutting issue for those particular divisions would be resolved, and I think there is uh, enough talent at 155 and 170 uh, and 185 to draw from in order to make all of those weight classes work. Yeah, well, he, he, yes, he's 34, but how much damage has he taken over his career? Oh, yeah, none. Um, as, none. So I feel like he could go long if he wants to. And, by the way, I, I don't feel like the 165 division needs to be the Askren division, so to speak. I think that there are enough guys. Um, I think you'd really you'd really have an easier time of getting Nate Diaz back if you uh, if you open up that division. Um, you know, other I think Habib would be very interested in that division at some point. I mean, there are big names. Kevin Lee, of course, has campaigned. GSP? Masvidal, GSP. Yeah, so th- there are names um, that I think are, are, are certainly enough to, to warrant opening it. it. I get it. It gets a little tricky with 170 and 175. You're going to bump that up. It's not a clean thing. There's no doubt about it. And I, I don't begrudge the UFC for, you know, being a little hesitant to do it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm more potentially disappointed in them shutting down 125 than I am them not starting 165 but uh you know I, I think at some point more weight classes would benefit everyone with demetrius demetrius in the ufc what went wrong i mean demetrius was never really happy I, I know that it was very apparent at the uh the last card in la that he really was very disinterested in doing media in doing the open workout and doing the song and dance that comes with uh, being a ufc fighter outside of the cage and i know that the flyweight division has never been all that juicy to the UFC. Uh, you know, they've, they've headlined Fox cards with it. They've headlined some pay-per-views with it that, that have done very poorly. So why was Demetrius Johnson never a box office hit? You know, I think that there are several factors. and I don't think it's, it's, it's fair to just say, you know, UFC or DJ were 100% at fault for why this thing didn't work out. DJ is a great guy. He has a great personality. He swears a lot. He is not the cookie cutter guy that people think he is. He just at times, and especially early on, has not really, I don't know, cared or, or been hesitant to let the world see his true personality. I think, you know, his mindset, along with Matt Hughes' mindset, is like, our job is to, to win. He reminds me a lot of uh, Tim Duncan of the San Antonio Spurs, like, not flashy at all, just goes out and wins. The difference is, you know, Tim Duncan's career isn't isn't judged based off of how many tickets he sold or what the ratings were when he played, but DJ's is, and that's not necessarily fair. So that's why, you know, the UFC comes at play. Did they do everything that they could to promote this guy? Did they put him in front of the right people? Um, you know, and I, and I think at times they didn't, but then you say, well, they put him on Fox. You know, sometimes it just doesn't click. I don't subscribe to the notion that, they didn't give him opportunities to succeed by putting him on the biggest platforms, you know, 178, they put him on, they put him on some big cards, they put him on Fox multiple times, etc. cetera. Um, I just think it was a mix of the fans. And, and by the way, I don't know that, uh, 
you know, smaller guys can't draw. I think that's ridiculous. I, 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 I really don't understand why people believe that. I mean, I think that I would go to my grave thinking if DJ had the personality of Conor McGregor, he would be just as po- Conor would be just as popular. I think it's crazy to say that. Oh, this guy's small. I could beat him up. No, you can't. Did you see what he did to Ray Borg? Like, he can't. You can't beat him up. He, you can't even land the punch on him. It's, it's ludicrous. So I just think it was one of those things where, you know, after a while, the 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 weight of all the talk of like, why aren't you selling? Why aren't you selling? Dana, I, I think it really like the real, you know, the real beginning of the end started with the TJ thing and him feeling disrespected by that he wasn't told um, that he wasn't told about the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, DJ wasn't um, that that they tried to push TJ that they then put the board fight and they sort of on purpose I think tried not to promote that fight. I think that was all the beginning of the end. And uh, at this point, you know, he loses the belt. He breaks the record. What's the point in sticking around? He wants to be with his coach. He wants to fight in Asia. They've got big plans for him. Um, and so sometimes, you know, these marriages don't work out. I think they had a good run. But if we're being honest, I think everyone has a, you know, a, bit, of, a bit of blame in all of this. So with Askren in the UFC, the big thing was always that he never got a chance to fight in the big show. If you were the UFC and you could choose one person outside of the organization, you could sign them, no strings attached, whatever, Forget who they're with. Who, who are you bringing in? Oh, my. Anyone? Anyone. Because I think it's an easy answer, but you can go ahead. You think it's an easy answer? Yeah. Huh? Um, it's, well, some, it's one you need okay. to think about, but it's, it's not an obvious answer, but I think there's an easy answer. Well, okay, so I'll say that um, last week we did like a fantasy trade thing on ESPN.com. I did see that. I read my, that. My trade was Nate Diaz for Michael Chandler and Fedor Emelianenko uh, because I think Nate is unhappy. He likes Scott Coker. You get the malcontent out, and you bring in the legend Fedor and Chandler, arguably the two best guys outside of Askren who have never fought in the UFC. And I still, you know, especially with Fedor's little resurgence here, I still, you know, I still long to see him just once. Just once fight inside the octagon. I think that would be a sight to see, especially if they're bringing back Brock Lesnar. Wouldn't that be crazy? So, you know, the, the hardcore fan in me, maybe not from a business standpoint necessarily, but the hardcore fan in me would say, I would love to see Fedor just once. But, like, how many, you know, how many times are you going to get to make money with him? I don't know. But if, if gun to my head, if I have to pick one, I'm probably saying Fedor. I think from a, a short-term perspective, that would be, best for them from a box office standpoint and from a promotional standpoint. I think Chandler's a great answer. I think Darian Caldwell's a great answer. I think he's one of the best guys outside the UFC. But to me, it would be Aaron Pico. Like, if you're going to think long-term, this is a guy yeah. who's he's good on the mic, and he's, just, he's a killer. You've seen what he's done in the most recent fights. I know he lost his debut, but if you can bring in a guy that age with that kind of pedigree, with that kind of wrestling pedigree, that kind of boxing pedigree, and you can groom him, like, do you agree that that would probably be the guy that they would have the most, you mentioned the juice from Demetrius Johnson, the, the, most, the most juice for the squeeze from a long-term perspective. Okay. Yes, I do. But I almost find it, and I know, that, I, know, I know we're taking liberties here, but I almost find it disrespectful towards Bellator to say Pico. Like, never in a million years would they trade that guy. Of course. I don't even, like... That's why I said one so, guy. He's, on top, he's LeBron. So, Believe me, I agree with you. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's, it's not even LeBron. He's, he's like... Oh, I don't know, like Benson, like you don't give up a guy that you're going to have under your umbrella for 10 years. So that's why, like, I can't even, 
I don't even want to entertain that. See, Fedor, I could conceivably see them saying like, okay, you know, we're getting someone back. Chandler the same. But Pico is so untouchable and so marketable and so good that I can't even – in this far-fetched game that we're playing, that is too far-fetched. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, yeah, sure, I, of course, but that's why I chose him. Because if I'm taking one guy, no strings attached, everybody's a free yeah. agent. He's the guy. I guess. Okay, so then who's Bellator taking? Connor? Uh, well, yeah, if, if they could have anybody outside of Bellator, of course. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a no-brainer. I, I, like, I like playing fantasy trades. But with the hint of reality that like this could actually happen, you but know what I mean. Here's the thing: if Bellator was offered Connor for Pico, they'd probably have to do it. But I, I mean, by the way, what a fascinating trade that is because you know Connor's not sticking around forever. Exactly. Say okay, do you do you, you sacrifice you know two big paydays for maybe five, six, seven, eight years of of greatness? That's what I, I love know. about this Askren and Demetrius thing because we can talk about this now and it's not it's not fiction. Because this has I happened it. now. It's great. It's tremendous. I mean, you and tremendous. I grew up as, as big basketball fans. And, you know, as somebody who works for ESPN, I'm sure you agree that over the last couple of years, basketball has become a year-round sport. It never used to be. And basketball, the narrative off of the court, is probably more interesting now than what actually happens on the court. Yeah, I mean, basketball is on fire. It is unbelievable. And they have the perfect mix of incredible talent, incredible games the action is phenomenal but then all the drama uh social media has really helped in that regard but just the personalities every day it's like what did you it's 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 it's, it honestly reminds me of pro wrestling it's like what's going on today yesterday westbrook and beverly are getting into it and you know all all this drama with jimmy butler rockets are one and five yeah it's just it's it's phenomenal drama so uh i i like you know i think we're you and i and and people who cover combat sports and like combat sports. I think we're somewhat drawn to the conflict and the drama and the theater and the NBA. I mean, uh, Rondo and, and Chris Paul with the punch and all that stuff. Great. Every day is something new. UFC 230 this weekend. Uh, I don't want to keep you much longer because I know you're, uh, you're on your way to, uh, to New York. I see Stephen A's in, in studio right now doing, uh, doing Get Up. But uh, for UFC 230, when you look at this card, do you feel like this is a New York card? No, not at all. Um, it's it's not even close to a New York card. Uh, it, it it has Weidman, it has Brian Kelleher, uh, maybe one or two guys. Well, I mean, what I mean by New York card is it a marquee card? Is this is this a oh, top four card of the no. year? Is this a ten pole event? No, no, it's not. It it look the the thing is, you you could say the UFC dropped the ball on this one, and and I, you know I think it's 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 a fair criticism, but more often than not the stars just need to align for them, you know, and, and sometimes they do like on these random cards, like Connor fighting Khabib in October. That's not really a 10 pole event. And then sometimes they don't when, when they should events like this, like when you come to New York, when you come to LA, remember 227, that was a disaster as well. I mean, Kevin Holland's fighting Thiago Santos on the, on the, on the pay-per-view. This is not what they wanted. Remember what they wanted Nate fighting GSP and they wanted all these other big names. Um, they wanted Rockhold, Gustafson, etc. None of it came to fruition. So this particular card of the three that have happened, this will be the third UFC event at, at, at Madison Square Garden. This is by far the weakest, and I would argue it's one of the weaker lineups of the year. However, I will say this. However, there is something special 
about the heavyweight title being defended at the world's most famous arena. Not in MMA, because it's never happened, but the fact that this is the first time that the mixed martial arts heavyweight title is being defended at Madison Square Garden with the rich history there, with Ali Frazier one and, and, and Joe Lewis and, and some of the greatest boxers of all time defending their belt there, to me, that's pretty cool. And the UFC is lucky to have someone like Daniel Cormier who, you know, is very quick to remind everyone. He, said, he, he, he says to everyone, like, the reason I took this fight is because it's MSG. Yeah, Derek Lewis short, but, like, he's propping up the venue. So the venue is becoming a little bit of a selling point in all of this as well. And that's really important. And that's, uh, you know, that's still a pretty cool thing. So to answer your question, it's not a big card. It's not a New York card. But for me, there is something special about the heavyweight title um, at Madison Square Garden the first time in our sport. And that's what at least sort of keeps the glimmer of the big card alive in my mind. Well, Ticketmaster, when you check for tickets, the ticket sales have started to really move. Seems like more and more tickets are getting sold for this particular event, and there is some buzz being generated. I know Daniel Cormier was all over the place um, on Monday. Um, am I the only one giving Derek Lewis a chance here? I, I know that it's a short notice fight, it's, you know, but DC's he's battling an injury. He says he's one hundred percent, but you know, every fighter says they're one hundred percent before a fight. Lewis is seven and one in his last eight. He's got this kind of aw shucks thing to him, where he's he's funny, he's cracking jokes. People don't think of him as this fiery competitor. But I think it's a little bit rude that everybody's writing this guy off because I think that this is heavyweight MMA we're talking about. And we've seen what's happened in heavyweight MMA in the past. Oh, 100%. Um, I'm not writing him off. I think you know Lewis has a chance. Um, I don't think he has the best chance. I think that, um, you know, what's, what's Lewis's strong suit? Lewis hits really hard. Uh, his cardio is questionable. He's battling a bad back. I mean, the... The, the odds are definitely stacked against them. Cormier takes a punch really well. Uh, we saw that against the likes of Anthony Johnson. Um, so, and, and then what happens if Cormier slams him on his back? You know, that, that could be disastrous for, for Derek. So I'm, I'm happy for, for Derek for getting this fight. I, you know, I wish it wasn't under these circumstances. I wish it wasn't, you know, this month. It's October 31st. This month, where, you know, the guy fought. He fought uh, Alexander Volkov, and, and, and he was seconds away from losing the fight um, and, and was getting beat up pretty bad at, at certain points. And, you know, DC taking this fight on short notice with the busted hand and all that stuff, it's not a very clean thing. Uh, but again, and, and I don't like these fights that are sort of cobbled together. I, I, I think it's uncomfortable for everyone, um, and, and it's not what the sport should be about. You know, like you want the build. You want it to mean something. You don't want to just have a, a title fight that's thrown together. But uh, they had to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons. And uh, I think that they sort of got lucky in the sense that this is a heavyweight title. If it was just a random title, you know, featherweight, lightweight, whatever, I don't feel like it would, it would be that special. But because it's heavyweight, they kind of lucked out in that regard, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that this is the right division if you're going to put something together on this kind of short notice. Um, if Lewis wins, is it a disaster for the organization or for the promotion? Yeah. Huh. Uh, is it a disaster, are you asking? If Lewis wins. Cormier will have no belts at the end of the year. Yeah. Brock is in limbo. Yeah. No, it, it, it is not great. It, it's certainly not great. I mean, you can maybe warrant a, a rematch, but then you have Stipe there, who's, who's very upset. Um, it's not great. I mean, it, 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 Cormier keeps saying that he's going to retire in March. He has never been more popular 
he has never fought better. I mean, he's he's looked great, you know, especially since moving up to heavyweight. He's happy. He doesn't have to cut weight, all this stuff and more. I don't – if if all goes well, if he wins, and there's still the Jones fight out there and there's still the Brock fight out there, I don't see how he does that. I don't see how he walks away. He is a very important, you know, he's a very important person for them. He's a very important figure, not only in the cage, but out of the cage as well. So disaster might be a little dramatic, but it's, you know, if, if, if you're – if you're having an honest conversation with the UFC brass, of course they. I think they would rather call me away. And by the way, Lewis is, is very marketable. He's great. You know, he's he's taken social media by storm. People love him. But uh, I think they have a little more invested in 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 DC, and there are bigger fights that they can make for DC. All right, Ariel, I'm going to let you go. I know you've got to uh, go and do Ariel and the bad guy today. You can catch clips of that on TSN.ca/UFC. Of course, if you're south of the border, it's on ESPN Plus. And of course, the aerial. You can get clips. Yeah, yeah. If you go to our UFC section, we've got some aerial and the bad guy clips in there. Oh, that's phenomenal. We need to figure out how to actually get the show there. You know. Uh, Well, well, I've sent I've sent emails to the higher ups. You know, we we we've got we can figure this out. We just got to we've got to send enough emails. Listen, I'm Canadian. I need to be on the Canadian channel, so uh, I'm going to work on it. I'm with you. And uh, thanks for thanks for doing this, Ariel Helwani MMA show. It's I mean every week is. uh, is it's unbelievable to me how many amazing guests you're able to get week after week. This past week was one of the best episodes, I think. Um, and you bring such an enthusiasm to covering the sport. So thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron. All the best. And again, congrats. That was Ariel Helwani. Fantastic chat with him. I always love catching up with Ariel. I uh, look forward to seeing him in Toronto. Unfortunately, I won't be in New York this week, but we've got Robin Black down there with uh, super producer Jason Palter. And they're uh, going to be bringing you all of the UFC... 2.30 reporting, news, videos that you could uh, possibly want at tsn.ca slash UFC. So make sure you check that out over the course of the week. Wish it could be down there, but uh, you guys are in good hands in terms of uh, online coverage and uh, sports center coverage for this, that particular event. It's a biggie. Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis, a literal biggie. Two of the baddest heavyweights on the planet in the main event. We'll preview that after we speak to our next guest. That's Shane Burgos, who will be fighting at UFC 230 against Kurt Hollibaugh. I like Shane a lot. Shane's very good because he, he, he's really into following the sport of mixed martial arts and has really strong opinions on the sport. But uh, he's, he's focused right now on Kurt Hollibaugh after uh, his first loss as a professional earlier this year when he lost to Calvin Cater. That was uh, in Cater's backyard in Boston. And uh, now he hopes to get a win in his backyard at Madison Square Garden in New York. So here's Shane Burgos joining us on the TSN MMA show. Well, the food porn pictures are back on my uh, timeline, and that can only mean one thing. that Shane Burgos has a fight coming up. Shane, UFC 230 in your backyard this weekend. How excited are you to get back in there? Oh, man, I'm pumped. I'm so pumped. It's been too long. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm seeing the food porn pictures. So has it been, uh, it's been tough? Tough weight cutting right. right now? No, actually, it's been really good. I've been working out with Lockhart and Leaf this week, so they've been actually really good to me, getting the weight off. But um, it, the cravings are just always there, obviously. You don't want to... The food is delicious. They're making it, but obviously you want to be a fat ass and pig out. So I'm looking forward to after weigh-ins, and then I'm looking forward to fight night, honestly. You mentioned to me uh, when we were texting back and forth that you had Halloween plans tonight. So how's that going to go? Yeah, I'm actually going to go home in, uh, in about an hour. The manager is actually my neighbor. So we're going to drive home. He has a, a newborn son. His son's only couple, couple, almost a year old. And my daughter's a year and a half. So we're going to go home, spend some time with the kids, and then I'm probably going to come back uh, to the hotel tonight. Well, I just mean with the candy. Are you going to be able to avoid it? Or are you going to, you're going to I mean, treat I, yourself to the, their mini size? You might be able to get away with it. 
No, I I can't because once I, that's the thing. It's, it's so it's so small. You're like, oh, let me just have one. Oh, let me just have another. You know, I'm not even gonna have one piece. I'm just gonna spend time with baby and just chill. That's probably a good idea. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so this week, uh, Kurt Holliba, your opponent, um, you're coming off of uh, your first career loss, um, a tough one um, back uh, earlier this year to uh, Calvin Cater, who uh, just fought uh, over the weekend, had a great win uh, once again. But um, what did you learn from that loss? You know, everybody says that you handle your first loss differently. How did you handle that one? Oh, man, it sucked. It was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> there's no, there's no, you know, in the bush. It was terrible. I, I've never lost a, a fight ever, not even an amateur fight. And then to go out the way I did, it, it crushed me. It, blow, it fucking blows, honestly. But um, it is what it is. You got to just pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and get, re- get right back in the horse. And that's exactly what I did. I've been putting in a lot of fucking work these last four months, man. So um, I don't think it really necessarily taught me anything. I just got caught. You know what I mean? I just got caught. I, I don't think uh, it wasn't a huge learning lesson. I just got to – it made me hungry, though. I, I, that's, that's, what, that's what it did to me. It changed me for sure. It made me starving, not just to, to fight again, but to, to win again. And I, I'm starving for the win. When you said you you got right back in there, back to the gym, was there any time that you took to kind of reflect, or was was it just like, no, this is this happened, it's time to move forward no, and, yeah. and and yeah, push yeah, ahead? Yeah, I I didn't get literally right back in the gym. I didn't do, I didn't spar and like that for for a couple couple weeks, but um, yeah, I I, I didn't um, I took my take my health very serious, and I've never even been dropped in a, in, a, in the training room before, so to, to to get dropped in a fight like that, I I took my time with it. Uh, I take a brain injuries and and that kind of stuff very seriously. I got a kid now, so I'm not just fighting for myself. I got to make sure I'm healthy for her to see her grow up. So I take my time with that stuff. But um, I was right back running sprints on the treadmill, killing it, staying as in shape as I possibly can. And I've been in shape for the past six months. And, uh, of course, you've got uh, Julio Arce on the card with you, your, your teammate, uh, one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's he he's uh, he's been on a roll uh, for the past couple of years, um, and now he faces Shaman Rice. What what's it been like to train um, in concert with him? I know you guys have been on the same card in the past uh, uh, previously, but what, what was the experience like to to continuously uh, have a guy around the same size as you that you can train with uh, going into a fight like this? Yeah, man, it's awesome. I, I'm not fighting a lefty, so I haven't been doing any sparring with him really. Um, I'm fighting a righty, obviously. So but we grapple and wrestle. He's probably one of my main training partners to, to, to work with outside of sparring. Uh, the dude is a fucking workhorse. He never gets tired. He's got cardio for days. He's probably the most well-rounded fighter you'll ever, you'll ever see. Like, the, the kid is insane. So I think very highly of him. He, he motivates me, honestly. He pushes me. So it's been awesome to have him. And not only him, but I have uh, Mike Trezano, too, who's fighting in Denver next week. And also Lyman. Lyman's fighting uh, this weekend, too, with us. Yeah, absolutely, and Jimmy's coming off of a fairly recent fight, I guess, uh, back yeah, in uh, yeah. in Dallas. So it must must be good to have everybody kind of on the same page. And Lyman's coming back off of uh, that suspension. I, I think th- did they find there was no wrongdoing there, if I recall. Yeah, that was showed from the Gaspari nutrition, uh, like a supplement or something, like that, uh, but multivitamin. And he's he's taking them to court, if I recall, which I love seeing. Yeah. I love seeing that if there's yeah. a, if there's a supplement that you get busted for and they don't disclose what the ingredients are, I think that's the, the right way to go about it, and I was happy to see that Lyman was doing that. 100%. It took something away from him. Time is, is, you can't put a price on time, and it took time away from him, so that sucks. So hopefully he can get something back from that. And um, you're somebody who follows the fight game closely. You have a lot of opinions on what's going on uh, around the world of MMA. I don't know how, uh, how much you've been following everything since you've been in camp, but uh, 
my uh, my thought process is that you are familiar with what happened with Demetrius Johnson uh, being yeah. traded for Ben Askren. What do you think it means to the fighters? I mean, from a fighter standpoint, you see Demetrius saying he's going to make more than Eddie Alvarez, which is eight figures at one. You see um, Ben able to move from one organization to another. Do you think that that could pave the way for some sort of you know system where organizations can trade with one another? Yeah, I think that's it. it Exactly, you nailed it. I think exactly what I think, and not only that, I think it creates a healthy uh, competition. Knowing that the UFC is obviously everyone wants to be in the UFC, but you also have those other options like one, Bellator, and all those other ones. So um, it's good. I feel like competition is good. It's healthy. It's good for the fighters, and more importantly, anything else. And that's obviously I'm, I'm a fighter, so I care about the fighters more than I care about anybody else. So I think it's great. Who do you think wins that trade? If you had to pick a side, I. I would probably say I don't I don't know how much one is paying him exactly. I don't know how much UFC is paying Aspen exactly. So honestly, I think it's going to depend on how their first fights go in the new organizations. I don't know. To me, if I feel like one wins because Askren wasn't going to fight yeah. for them again, and <laughs> they get Demetrius yeah, yeah. Johnson. So, uh, but at the same time, I think Askren is a uh, is uh, is a really good self promoter. I think he he talks yeah. a lot of trash. He's been talking a lot of trash for many years about how he would do in the UFC, and now we get to see it come to fruition. So, uh, that that'll be cool. I think Ben Askren is a guy that nobody wants to face. Yeah, Lyman. He fought my teammate Lyman years ago in Philadelphia. I remember that in Bellator. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, Lyman. Lyman fighting. <laughs> well, I'm gonna fight him again. No problem. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Wants to get that one back. Yep. What? What was the, was that? A, a 50, uh, 50 45 across the board? No, no. Lyman got some rounds no. on him. Lyman had a forty eight forty seven in there. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure the last round. Well, the last round, Lyman landed an up kick and dropped Aspen. He fell into a triangle and then he switched it to an arm bar and almost had that. And Aspen slipped out in bell rang. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think Askren's fairly beatable? Like, if you had to look at the fact that he's such a good grappler is going to make him tough to deal with, but um, we haven't really seen him get hit by the likes of the the guys that are at the higher echelon of the UFC welterweight division. Yes, that's 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 what we want to see. That's what 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 the questions haven't been answered because he hasn't fought anyone that's been GSP level or or anybody like that. So I would like to see him fight those upper echelon welterweights like him versus Woodley and him versus uh, GSP. Those those are fun matchups. Cormier Lewis, if you had to put a percentage on what chance Derek Lewis has of winning this fight, what would you put it at? Thirty percent. That, that, that's a that's that's a reasonable number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like seventy thirty. Uh, DC should one hundred percent. Not obviously not one hundred percent. He should. He's the favorite. It, it's clear cut. I feel like seventy percent is a large enough margin to, to be comfortable with betting on him. But DC, uh, but Lewis is just he's got power in every single round. Like, you've seen him knock guys out in the first round, the second round, the third round, even when he's completely exhausted, so you can't sleep on him at all. But I think DC's not going to sleep on him. I think DC, once he gets him off, once he gets Derek on his back, I don't think he's going to let Derek up. I think Lewis actually has a fourth-round finish, too. Yeah, he does. He has two of them. Oh, no, yeah, well, one of them he lost, and one of them he, he got against uh, yeah, Abdurakhimov. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm not I'm not sleeping on Lewis at all, but I think DC is just, his fight IQ is really high. So I think once he gets uh, Lewis down, he's going to ride on him and Look for the rear naked choke at night, honestly. And with Weidman and Jacare, um, Weidman's coming back after something of a long layoff. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in that fight? I mean, uh, Weidman's a fellow New Yorker. I don't know if you're going to side with him just for that reason, or if uh, you're going to you're just going to call it as you see it. No, I call it as I see it. I am siding with him. I think he's going to win the fight. I I think he's. I think Jacare is jujitsu is 
the best in the division. He's he's a fucking beast, and he's got knockout power in both his hands. But um, I used to be a big Joker fan. He just hasn't been looking the same lately. So I got to go with Weidman. Weidman never gasses out. He always looks fresh. So I'm going to go with Weidman by, uh, I think, second or third round TKO. All right, Shane. Well, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate all the food porn pictures that have been popping up yeah. on Twitter. I know that that's, that's, uh, coming, that's how you get psyched up. Yep. <laughs> What'll be your first meal after the win? I'm going to some barbecue or something, man. After, after the win, you said? Yeah. Yeah, after the win, I'm, I'm going to find some barbecue around here. That was Shane Burgos, who will be fighting at UFC 230 this weekend, Madison Square Garden. He'll be fighting on the preliminary card on Fight Pass against... Uh, Kurt Holabaugh. So this is a this is a card that unfortunately I don't think worked out in the way that the UFC would have liked it to. For starters, Luke Rockhold's injury recently that uh, that that forced this event to take a little bit of a blow. The main event, I don't think Cormier versus Derek Lewis was their first choice. In fact, I know it wasn't their first choice. But uh, still, a, a title fight, a heavyweight title fight at the Garden is uh, is pretty cool, as Ariel mentioned earlier in the show. So Lewis, I mean, Lewis, if he hits you, he can take you out. That's just, that's Derek Lewis, and and Daniel Cormier is going to go into that fight knowing that, and is going to do whatever it takes to avoid that big punch from Derek Lewis. Now Daniel Cormier, I think, has a massive advantage in this fight, just because, in terms of wrestling, Cormier is a, a league ahead of Derek Lewis. In terms of striking, I think Cormier can can hit Lewis, but I don't I don't think that's going to be his go to. I think his go to is going to be his wrestling. And he's going to make Derek Lewis's life miserable. That's going to be his goal. Derek Lewis obviously is going to want to try to stuff the takedown at all costs. He'll have about a 50-pound advantage on Daniel Cormier and a huge height advantage over Daniel Cormier. And he's going to hope to use that to his advantage. Uh, can he? We don't really know. And the reason why I say we, we don't really know is we saw Cormier versus Stipe. It was a first-round knockout. Cormier still undefeated at heavyweight. We've seen him handle big guys. We've seen him handle Roy Nelson. We've seen him handle Frank Mir. We've seen him handle Josh Barnett, handle Bigfoot Silva. These are huge guys. But we haven't seen him in a while against a, a, a big body of UFC heavyweights. That said, he beat the baddest heavyweight on the planet by knockout in the first round. So we know that he can hang with anybody because if you put Stipe against Derek Lewis, I think the odds are pretty similar to what they are for this Cormier versus Lewis fight. Maybe a little bit, you know, not quite as big, but up there. And that's no, no disrespect to Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis is 7-1 and one in his last eight. Might be the best record other than John Jones of the heavier weight classes in the UFC right now. Only loss was to Mark Hunt. Got knocked out in the fourth round. Just got outlasted in that fight in, uh, in Auckland. Hunt's backyard. Wins over Alexander Volkov, Francis Naganu. If you want to call that a win, that fight was really not much of anything. Uh, Marcin Tybura. Travis Brown, Shamil Abdurakhimov, Roy Nelson, Gabriel Gonzaga, Damian Grabowski, Victor Peshta. So it's not the best of the best heavyweights. Nganu and Volkov are. They're, they're top five. But the rest of the guys he beat, you know, it's an okay body of work. But it's nice to see him in the main event. I love Derek Lewis. I love covering Derek Lewis because he's just such a funny guy. But don't let his, uh, his demeanor make you think anything less of him as a competitor. Because even though he's laid back and he's funny, the guy gets in there and he, he works hard. And he can knock you out at any time in a fight. I spoke about that with Shane in that previous interview. Shane also likes Chris Weidman against Jacques Ray, And I just don't know. I just don't know what to expect from Chris Weidman. I mean, Weidman was able to beat Kelvin Gastelum in his last fight. But he's a much, much bigger man. It's been nearly a year and a half since that fight. 
And, and before that, he had lost three in a row. Now, the thing about Weidman is he's never been submitted. Was knocked out in all three of those fights. Jacare's got good knockout power. Let's not discount his power. But Jacare can sub absolutely anybody in the world. Even though he's 38 years old, still a very dangerous guy. Now, I think Weidman's best path would, would be to do what Gaslam did. Keep it on the feet. Keep distance. Don't get tied up. But uh, Weidman also has that instinct to go for wrestling. Like, Weidman, sometimes he defaults to wrestling. We saw that happen when, uh, when he got hit. Now, if he gets hit by Jacare and defaults to wrestling, he's going to get submitted. I don't think there's any question about that. Is that if he tries to wrestle Jacare, even though Weidman is a great grappler, he's a fantastic grappler. In terms of his ground skills, he's up there with anybody in the UFC when it comes to position, when it comes to, um, you, you know, transitions, top control. He's one of the top guys. But w- when you're playing around in Jacare's guard, that's just, a bing- uh, that's just a mistake. You don't want to do that. And I think he knows that. But if he gets hit and he starts doing that, you just don't know how that's going to play out. So, um... We'll see how that goes. That's going to be an interesting one. I, I, I tend to lean Jacare in that fight because I just think he has more ways to win. But we'll see. I, I mean, I could be wrong. Weidman looked great against uh, Gastelum, and I think so highly of Weidman. So I, I really don't want people to think that I'm underestimating Weidman. I, I'm not. I've been the biggest proponent. I, I picked Weidman in both of those Anderson Silva fights. I didn't think the first one was a fluke, and uh, I, don't think, I don't think the second one was a fluke, <laughs> like some people have argued. David Branch on the card. Coming off a, 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 a massive win over Tiago Santos. Knocking out Tiago Santos two minutes and 30 seconds into the first round. Knocked him right out of the weight class. Because now he's com- competing at light heavyweight. So he's going to be taking on uh, Jared Cannonier. I think that's a good matchup for Branch. I think Cannonier's a good fighter. But I think Branch has advantages pretty much everywhere. He might not have the power advantage. Although him knocking out Tiago Santos might beg to differ. But I think he's got some good advantages in that fight. And I think that um, it's really his fight to lose. Short notice for Jared Cannonier at middleweight. And Jared Cannonier is a huge light heavyweight. So for him to fight at middleweight, I don't know if he's going to make that weight. I don't. He, he, he's mentioned to me on several occasions he wants to move, wanted to move down to middleweight because he thinks he can make that cut. But uh, that's not an easy task for a guy that big. We'll see how that goes. If there's one guy I, was, I would say has a, a good chance of not making weight on this Card, guy or girl, because you don't want to take Sejara Eubanks out of that conversation. It's Jared Cannonier. So the third of four middleweight fights on the main card. Carl Roberson against Jack Marshman. This is just going to be a fun fight. You know, the UFC's been doing this lately. They've been putting guys on the main card, women as well, that they just think are going to make for exciting fights. And they put them in there so that they can kind of introduce their audience to a particular individuals. And I think that that's why they've got this Roberson-Marshman fight. Roberson, a former glory kickboxer, has massive knockout power. Knocked out uh, Ryan Spann, who's looked great since. And knocked out Dar- and submitted Darren Stewart since then. One of the most unlikely submissions I've seen. But uh, then lost uh, to Mutanch, Cesar Fajeja. Looked like he was a little bit outmatched in that one in terms of MMA. Jack Marshman, on the other hand, Two and two in the UFC wins over Magnus Sedenblad and Ryan Jaynes losses to Thiago Santos and uh, Carlos Jr. I think that uh, this is Robertson's fight to win. I think if this stays on the feet, he's got a good advantage. But I think that the the deeper that this fight gets, the more Marshman's going to have a chance to win. Derek Brunson, Israel Adesanya. Brunson, a big underdog in this one, and th- that's a tough pill to swallow because I think that Derek Brunson uh, can knock anybody out at any time. I think this fight goes three rounds. I think Adesanya frustrates Brunson and gets a decision victory. That's just how I see it playing out. Um, 
But again, Brunson has massive power. I know Adesanya is a former kickboxer, and he's really good at controlling distance and really good at staying out of trouble in that regard. But, you know, Brunson's got dynamite in his hands. He got knocked out by Jacare in his last fight. He's unfortunately 2-3 and three in his last five. But uh, two of those wins are knockouts over Lyoto Machida and Dan Kelly in the first round. It just goes to show the kind of power he has. Losses to Jacare, Anderson Silva, and Robert Whitaker. I mean, that's nothing to scoff at. So um, certainly Derek Brunson is still a top 15 middleweight. Adesanya, fourth fight of the year for him. Knockout win over Rob Wilkinson. Two decision wins over Marvin Vittori, who, uh, by the way, this week came out on uh, YouTube and made a video that he'd been flagged for a uh, banned substance. And uh, Brad Tavares, decision win, five-round decision win. I think this one goes the distance. I think Adesanya outpoints Brunson. Preliminary card, Jason Knight makes his return once again to fight Jordan Rinaldi. He's on a three-fight losing streak. He's a guy that a lot of people thought was going to be one of the, the, the great fighters in the future of the featherweight division. Split decision loss to Makwan Americani, very close fight. Uh, lost to Mowgli Benitez late last year as well. And a knockout loss to Ricardo Lamas when they threw him into deep water and he unfortunately sank. Before that, he was on a four-fight win streak. So Jason Knight, uh, a fun fighter to watch, taking on Jordan Rinaldi. Now, Rinaldi, is, uh, he's, a, he's a pretty good fighter, but I don't think he's on the level of, uh, of someone like Jason Knight. I think Jason Knight is going to be able to outpoint Rinaldi on, uh, on route to a decision victory. Or he could submit Rinaldi either off his back or from top control. So uh, I, I think Knight has a lot of advantages in that fight, in many ways to win that fight. So Jara Eubanks versus Roxanne Modafferi. That's a fun one in uh, women's flyweight. I really like this fight. Um, so Jara Eubanks, now 1-0 in the U- UFC, uh, unanimous decision win over Lauren Murphy. The big difference here is that I think Eubanks embraced taking down Lauren Murphy, but I think if she takes down Roxanne Modafferi, she could be in some trouble because Roxanne's really good off her back. Really, really crafty, really creative. And Eubanks is still a pretty unseasoned fighter. I mean, despite being 33 years old, she's only 3-2 and two as a pro. So I think if you throw her in there against uh, Modafferi, she could be prone to mistakes. Now, Eubanks training at a much better camp these days since being on the Ultimate Fighter with Mark Henry and co. out in New Jersey. And I think that's really going to elevate her game. I think if she keeps this on the feet, she can score a knockout win in this fight. I think that's how this one plays out. I think Eubanks wins by knockout against Modafferi. But I also think that if this fight gets to the ground, if Eubanks tries to get a little bit uh, too... too uh, she relies too much on her wrestling, and that's kind of her background, that Modafferi can take advantage. Uh, Julio Arce versus Shaman Marais. Now, this is a really tough fight to call. I think J- both of these guys are great prospects. Now, the big difference here is that I think that Marais has fought the better competition. He was a, he's a guy that a lot of people considered a top prospect for some time. Um, and Arce's been on a roll. I mean, don't get me wrong about Arce. Um, but if you look at the two losses for Shaman Marais, it's against Zabit, Magomed Sharapov, lost late in the third round, and uh, uh, lost to Marlon Marais. So you're talking about like two of the absolute best bantamweights and featherweights in the world. And I think Shaman against uh, Julio Arce, when you look at the odds, they're very long. Very, very long odds, and I don't like that for this particular fight, because I think this could be a very, very close fight. I think that uh, this, this is more of a coin flip fight than, uh, than the odds indicate. Arce is a huge favorite, and I think that Morais could outpoint him no problem in this fight. I think Arce has a better shot to win, 
But I think that uh, the odds are just a little long in this spot. So uh, that that's my uh, that's my take on that fight. I think Arce has uh, has some clear advantages, but that Marais, if this day standing, can uh, easily outpoint Arce. So don't be surprised if there's an upset in this fight. Uh, same with his next fight, Lyman Good versus Ben Saunders. Now, Lyman Good was one of the better fighters in Bellator for quite some time, but uh, so has Ben Saunders. And when you look at Good's resume, who's the best win on his, you know, that, that he has? It's probably Jim Wallhead or Andrew Craig. So looking up and down his resume, Lyman Good has a lot of experience. He's been in the game for a long time. But, um, you know, Ben Saunders has a lot of experience too. Saunders just has been keeping pretty busy of late. This year, this will be his fourth fight. One and two so far. Win over Jake Ellenberger. Losses to Sergio Moraes and uh, Alan Joban. But uh, against Lyman Good, I think he's got some advantages. This is another one where I think the odds are a little bit longer than they should be. Lyman Good is a, is a heavy, heavy favorite. And I just don't think that should be the case. I think that Ben Saunders could win this fight on, on the feet or the ground if uh, things play out uh, the way that, uh, that I think they can. So another one where I think the odds are a little bit long. Uh, I think Good has some, some real advantages. But I think Ben Saunders is a, is a pretty crafty guy and is probably the best guy or one of the best guys that Lyman Good has fought. I mean, he's not as good as Ben Askren, for example. So don't send me messages saying, uh, oh, you think that, that he's as good as Ben Askren or, or Zaleski Dos Santos or even Andre Koroshkov? No, no, no. But in terms of the competition, he's, he's a top five opponent that, that Lyman Good has fought, and Lyman Good hasn't beaten any of those guys. Uh, Matt Favola versus Lando Venata. Venata, a pretty big favorite, and I think he should be. I think Venata should be able to outpoint Favola in this fight. Uh, Favola was undefeated uh, before his last fight, losing to Polo Reyes uh, one minute into the fight. I think that uh, Venata is a, a very crafty striker, um, and I think that Venata should be able to outpoint Favola. I don't think he gets the finish in this fight, but I think that uh, that's how it plays out. Uh, Shane Burgos, Kurt Hollibaugh. Um, I spoke to Shane. I think that Shane has a, a lot of ways to win this fight. Kurt Hollibaugh is a good fighter, though. He's been around for a long time, and he's fought a lot of really good guys. 17-5, and five, only 32 years of age. But uh, he's coming off a loss uh, to uh, Ronnie Bar- Barcelos in the third round, an uppercut loss. It was a pretty vicious uppercut loss. Um, that after a win over Matt Bissett. Uh, wins over Jay-Z Cavalcante, U.S. Danish Cedeno in recent years. Those are UFC caliber guys. Um, and he has a win on his uh, record against uh, Des Green. So this is not a guy who, who fights low-level competition. And uh, this is going to be a tough, uh, not going to be a cakewalk for Shane Burgos, but I think that Burgos is going to come back, come back hot after his last loss. Uh, Brian Kelleher versus Montel Jackson. I was surprised to see J- Jackson was the favorite in this fight, but he's got a lot of hype behind him. He's, uh, he's a really fun fighter to watch. Very, very long reach for Bantamweight. He's a 5'10 Bantamweight with 75 and a half inch reach. That's tough. That's a tough, uh, a tough body type to go against. Uh, he's coming off a loss to uh, Ricky Simone. Brian Kelleher has beaten some good guys, though. I mean, I know Kelleher is coming off uh, a loss to John Lineker. But before that, wins over, uh, you know, the ghost of Henan Barrow and uh, De- Damian Stasiak. And a win over Yuri Alcantara, Alcantara and then outside of the UFC against uh, the aforementioned Julio Arce. Two wins over Julio Arce outside of the UFC. So, I mean, Kelleher is no joke. And uh, I think that Kelleher... I was really surprised to see Kelleher as an underdog in this fight. And I think Kelleher... Uh, has uh, beaten the higher level of competition. So I, I kind of lean him in this fight. I think that Keller has a good shot. And then you look at uh, the first fight in the card, Adam Vizorek versus uh, Rogerio de Lima. 
Uh, I think Vizoric should be able to get a sub against Rogério de Lima if de Lima doesn't put Vizoric out in the in the first two or three minutes. Lima tends to get tired. Lima tends to get taken down fairly easily, and Vizoric is very crafty in the heavyweight division, as you saw with his Oma Plata win over Arjun Buller in his last fight. I think that's how that one plays out. So that's UFC 230. That's this Saturday. You can catch the prelims on TSN, 8 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you check out tsn.ca slash UFC because uh, there's uh, a lot to like on this card, and there's going to be a lot of uh, good content being uh, sent your way from New York City. Robin Black on, on location for us with the super producer Jason Palter. Also in New York, my co-host Joe Valtellini, Calling Glory, which is uh, in New York on Friday night. I know Robin's going to be at that show uh, checking it out. I'd like to thank New York Rick for inviting me out to that show and inviting me to uh, a party that Glory is throwing uh, actually tonight on Halloween. But uh, unfortunately, I'm not in New York. But uh, thank you to uh, New York Rick for that invitation. I appreciate that. And I appreciate all of you for listening to another episode of the UFC, sorry, the TSN MMA show, talking all things UFC and MMA. Um, Fun show. Really appreciate you tuning in. And uh, we'll be back next week to unravel all that was UFC 230. Joe will be with me next week. It's been a while since Joe and I have have congregated. And I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. And uh, we look forward to discussing all things UFC and MMA next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.